Welcome to Experience This, the podcast that celebrates remarkable customer experiences and inspires you to stand out from the competition by wowing your customers. Each episode, we bring you a healthy dose of inspiring stories, funny interactions, and practical takeaways. Marketing and customer experience thought leader, Dan Gingas shares the mic with customer retention and employee experience expert, Joey Coleman, helping you to get people talking about your business. So get ready because it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss the must-read customer experience book of 2023, how rock stars connect with their raving fans, and the things you never knew but always wanted to ask about CX professionals. Super fans, superstars, and super answers. Oh, my. Dan and I have a little announcement for all of our loyal listeners here at Experience This, and that is that after 10 fabulous seasons, we're regrettably coming to an end for the Experience This show. Ah, man, all great things must eventually come to an end, Joey. And while we have had the most fun telling stories for over 10 seasons, over 100 and 80 episodes. We just felt like now was a really good time to move on to some other things. Well, and to be honest, part of the reason, everyone, that we're doing this is because as live events gear back up, Dan and I are busier than ever. We are on the road almost constantly with keynotes and workshops and promoting our books. And we're just finding it harder and harder to find the time to actually record the type of episodes that we want to bring to you each week. But fear not. We are not leaving you just yet. We actually have a few more episodes that we are really, really excited about, including today's episode. And we're always happy to uh, continue the conversation in the future, whether that's one-on-one. Who knows? Maybe the podcast will come back in a new and different way in the future. But for now, we're going to wrap up Experience This with some very special episodes. And the first one is going to be today's episode. We're excited to give you an overview of an important book you should know about, as well as share some of our favorite passages as part of our next book report. Today, we have a very special book report. I feel like we're building this one like those TV shows in the 80s where they say on a very special episode of Different Strokes. Or a very special episode of Facts of Life. Exactly. We totally just dated ourselves, Dan, with both of those references. But I think some of our listeners will get and appreciate that. Part of the reason this is such a special episode today is because we get to talk about a fantastic book. It's called Creating Superfans, How to Turn Your Customers into Lifelong advocates. And I got to say, before we even talk about the content of this book, the design of this book is world-class. I think it's one of the prettiest, if not the prettiest, most beautifully designed, aesthetically pleasing CX books that's ever been created. And I say that with a lot of respect to you, Dan, and your books and all of our friends and uh, folks that we know that have written some great books in the CX space. This is one that not only was I excited to read, but I'm thrilled to display on the shelf. 
That's it. I'm offended. I'm out of here. <laughs> exactly. No, I totally agree with you, Joy. I totally agree with you. This is a book that you notice on the bookshelf. And as you flip through it and you see all of the beautiful full color pages inside that have uh, different quotes and other things, it's really an experience reading this book. And as if the design of the book wasn't enough, the content of the book is fire, which comes as no surprise to either Dan or I, because we are both lucky enough to call the incredible Brittany Hodak a friend. So Brittany is the author of Creating Superfans. And in the spirit of a very special episode of Experience This, we are breaking our 10 plus season rule of never having live guests on the show. And we are making that exception for the rock star superhuman that is Brittany Hodak. Brittany, welcome to the Experience This Show. Yay. Thank you, guys. Oh my gosh, I'm blushing. Thank you for all of those wonderfully kind comments. It's like that movie uh, the, from the Highlanders that there can be only one. You are the only one. The You're the only, only one. one. Exactly. We're not doing any more. This is a one-time deal. There's one live interview and then never again. But we knew that a conversation with you would be absolutely incredible. And we are so honored that you would not only join us, but share your time with our lovely listeners as well. Well, thank you guys for breaking the rules for me. I am thrilled to be the one. Well, we're honored to have you. Brittany, why don't you start with just giving us a quick overview of your fantastic new book, Creating Superfans. Well, thank you. Creating Superfans is a book that I wrote to try to make CX really exciting and really accessible. I know I like we're all nerds, right? We love CX. We think it is fun and exciting. But I wanted to write a book that anyone with customers could give to any employee and have them want to read the book, even if they don't normally read books. So I wanted to trick people into having fun as they were learning about customer experience and why customer centricity is so important to every single business on the planet. So the through line of the book is something that we all know and you, dear listener, know, which is this is an experience economy. And if you want to stand out and future-proof your business against every competitor, both the ones that exist now and the ones that are coming down the pike, you've got to turn your customers into super fans. You've got to overpower that apathy and make them care about whatever it is that you do. So I wrote a book to have a framework and a roadmap to offer to people to say, read this book, give it to everyone on your team. And then you'll have not only a shared language and appreciation, but also a strategy that's simple to implement to help improve your customer experience immediately and start seeing those both immediate and long-term results. Oh, Brittany, I absolutely love it. You know, one of the things that I'm so glad you highlighted in that overview in my experience, most of the books in the CX space, in the customer experience space, can be divided into one of two categories. The book that you give to your employees to kind of introduce them to the concept of customer experience and just, you know, some baby steps and get things going, or the book that is actively sought out by your head of customer experience because they're looking for the top level strategy, the cutting edge thinking, the, the very best ideas that they haven't read in other books. And what I thought your book did so beautifully was bridge 
both of those conversations. I think it's rare that a book is equally as applicable to the frontline employee as to the CEO or the head of customer experience. And I just, I commend you for doing that. And I'm so glad and I'm not at all surprised that that was kind of your goal in writing the book and you certainly achieved it. Well, thank you. And that that was the goal. And honestly, it's why it took me so long to write this book. I think when we added it up, I had written somewhere close to 125,000 words for this 60,000 word book. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's like my my greatest hits of everything that I wrote thinking it was going to be in the book. But I did want to bridge that gap because ultimately everyone is in the experience department. I don't care if you have the title of CXO or if you're an intern. A customer doesn't look at a company and see departments or positions. They see someone representing that brand. So I really wanted to drive home the point that you are in the experience department. You are ultimately responsible for whether it's the first sale or the 50th sale, that experience is going to impact whether or not somebody comes back and what they say to their friends about your brand. So I did really try hard to drive home the point that this is the responsibility of everyone at the organization in every single interaction and what that means in a way that doesn't sound like super scary and overwhelming. Yeah, you know, I found myself nodding my head many times while I was reading your book, Brittany. And this was one of the points in which I did so because I often get asked the question, should I have a customer experience team led by a CXO or is customer experience really everybody's job? And my answer is yes. Both, right? We like both of those things have to happen in success in successful companies. And I love that Joey pointed out that your book does appeal to both of those, right? A CXO that is going to be leading the charge and see the 30,000 foot view and the entire journey that not everybody can look at, and all those people right on the ground who are doing it every day. One of the other things that I love that you talk about is this idea of apathy. And uh, it reminded me of something that I like to say, which is that companies should refuse to be boring. And I say that because I worked in two industries that many people find boring, financial services and healthcare. And I remember when I walked into Discover Card and I started reading the customer feedback, the ratings and reviews and the questionnaires that we got back. And I couldn't help but notice that one word continued to show up over and over again. And it was the word love. People said, I love my Discover card. And it really took me back because I was thinking, who in the heck likes a credit card or loves a credit card? And as I was reading Superfans, I realized now that Discover had done a good job of creating Superfans of a product that people you wouldn't think of would have Superfans. I'm just wondering, because you have so many great examples in this book as well, have you seen that too with brands that maybe surprised you that have super fans? Yes, absolutely, Dan. And I think, do you remember, do you guys remember the first time you saw your teacher outside of school when you were in maybe like kindergarten, <laughs> first or second grade? I do recall running into Mrs. Shrek. I think it was at the grocery store or something and it pretty much blowing my mind. Yeah, it freaked you out, right? Because you were like, what? They they let her outside of, of school? I think that so often 
brands are guilty of thinking about their customers the same way little kids think about their teachers. Like we only think about them as it relates to us and their relationship with us. And we forget that these are real living, breathing people who have these full lives that our product fits into or our service fits into beyond just what you know we may be thinking of. So the credit card is a great example because somebody who has that Discover card is thinking about it because of the experiences that it enables them to have and the security that they feel knowing that, for instance, you know, Discover is going to have their back if somebody, you know, tries to tries to make fraudulent charges or how simple it's going to be to shop in foreign countries or, you know, the points that they're going to use for amazing vacations, whatever it is. And so oftentimes customers attach these emotional connections and nuances and layers of feelings to our product, not just because what we think our product is, but because what it represents to them. And in the same way that little kids, you know, don't have the 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 nuance of like seeing their teacher beyond that relationship, I think a lot of people don't take the time and don't take the work to really understand their customers and what the product means to their life. And you know, we started we started this talking about apathy and and I like to say that Super fans are created at the intersection of your story and every customer's story. And if you want to overpower that apathy, you've got to make your thing relevant to their life. And the more that you understand how you're doing that and all of the layers and what it actually means, the more you're going to find yourself in the position of having people that are loyal to your brand and passionate about your brand and are advocating for it and telling all of their friends to check it out. Oh, I love I love that story example, Brittany. And it's so true. You know, we talked about this last season on the show. Dan, what was the... I, I know Dan is like the savant when it comes to our episodes. The one where we talked about Duolingo and Game of Thrones and how they were doing... Do you remember? Oh, yeah, of course. That was uh, season 10, episode 171. Ah, yes, exactly. I, I knew. Dan's like the rain man of the show, Brittany. Um, so yeah, and this idea that Duolingo that teaches languages created a high Valerian language course on their language learning app, which was designed to identify their customers that loved watching Game of Thrones. And it's exactly that point you're making. It's that acknowledgement that there are things that your customers like, they're interested in, they're doing, they're involved with that have nothing to do with your brand. But when you can get that Venn diagram to overlap a little, suddenly they get excited about you as well. All right. So as we normally do with book reports, we are going to jump into the section where we share our favorite passages. And we're so excited because we get to do this now in front of the author herself. And of course, Brittany is going to share her favorite passage as well. But I'm going to just jump in and start with mine, which comes from chapter 11, in which Brittany talks about a humorous modern art equation and adapts it to one about customer and employee experience. Now, the equation is experience equals I could do that plus yeah, so why don't you? And then she writes, quote, everything that's in this book is on the surface simple. None of it is rocket science. Most of it isn't even expensive. And yet that simplicity is deceptive. If it were easy, everyone would do it. Every fast food restaurant would have service like Chick-fil-A. Among hotel chains, the Ritz-Carlton would be the rule, not the exception. 
Every online shopping experience would be as seamless as Amazon's, from one-click buying to the quick and predictable delivery. Visiting any theme park would be as magical as a day at Disneyland. But of course, that isn't the case. These fan favorites work tirelessly to ensure the customer experience is predictably and consistently excellent. Every member of their team knows exactly what is expected of them in every interaction. They don't just routinely meet their customers' expectations, they exceed them. Now, what I love about this, Brittany, is first of all, obviously, you mentioned so many terrific brands, but I like that you make the distinction between simple and easy because the things that you are suggesting in this book are pretty simple, and that's a compliment. Customer experience and employee experience are definitely not easy. Can you dig a little deeper for us on that? Yes, and thank you for saying that. And I think sometimes we dismiss things that are simple because we want something that's more complicated. We want to make it seem like, oh, if I'm going to find success, I've got to do this hard thing. I mean, look at look at the 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 weight loss industry and the diet and exercise industry, right? It's like. On the surface, it's simple. Eat better, move more. And yet there are, what, multi-billion dollars of, of, of money that's spent every year of people saying, oh, it's got to it's gotta be complicated. There've, there've got to be like all these checks. And I want somebody telling me like, you know, you've got to do these 93 things just right. And so with the framework that I introduced in the book, which I call the supermodel, it is simple by design because too often we try to make things overly complex. And, you know, I've seen people who say like, oh, look, we've, we've done all of our customer journey mapping. We've got all of our service blueprints and they slam it on the table and it looks like, you know, a flying manual for like a Boeing Dreamliner. And I'm like, like, this is a nail salon. You don't need, you know, 800 pages of SOPs. Like if you're creating things that are inaccessible to your team, they're never going to do them. And yes, everything in this book, like all great CX is is simple. It's about making someone feel that you care about them, that you're glad that they're a customer and that you appreciate their relationship with your brand. But as we all know, in practice, those things are not necessarily easy. So what I try to do is lay out a plan that anyone can follow to bridge that gap between making these simple things automatic for employees so that you have an amazing customer experience by design and not by default. Oh, so true. By design and not by default. So many businesses, I think, err to that side. Well, speaking of by design, I did my best to come up with a favorite passage and I failed epically. And the reason I failed epically is because I had over 200 highlights in the Kindle edition of the book that I was reading. So in the spirit of us breaking the rules with this episode in so many ways, I'm going to give three quick hit passages, just you know, just short little nibbles of uh, customer experience delight here. And then Brittany, you can riff on if any of those kind of resonate with you or what your favorite one is or anything like that. So the first one is, and I quote, too many businesses fall into the trap of becoming something lots of people sort of like, instead of intentionally creating an experience the right people can't stop telling their friends about. Don't be filler. Be unforgettable. The second quote, we're living in an experience economy. 
The experience your customers have with your brand or business is the most important competitive advantage you have at your disposal. When you get it right, it's the hardest thing for your competitors to copy. Experience is baked into the DNA of your company and to all of the products and services you offer. And last but not least, quote, some people will be apathetic to your brand specifically. Others will be indifferent to the entire category in which you operate. Fine. Don't worry about them. Your thing is not going to be right for everyone, and that's okay. The sooner you acknowledge that, the more quickly you can move on to more valuable prospects. Your job is simply to help shepherd the people who do care further up the ladder. Now, I know I cheated a little bit, but I thought all three of those passages were just, you could ruminate on those for days. Well, thank you, Joey. And I like all those passages too. Um, I, think <laughs> I love about, it. I, I think I'll talk about the third one uh, because I think this is, again, something that that people sort of misunderstand, especially solopreneurs, small business owners who think, oh, I want to be everything to everyone. And so then they end up with a lot of things that they're sort of okay at. And in the music industry, where I spent the majority of my career, we see this all the time with artists who don't have a clear direction when they record their album. So they end up with a lot of okay songs that might get a little bit of airplay or that someone might sort of remember rather than having that clear point of view and you know creating songs that people sort of love. And with that third passage that you read, you know, there are some people who don't like Beyonce. There are some people who don't like Taylor Swift. There are some people who don't like Ed Sheeran. And you know what? That is a-okay to every single one of those entertainers because they're not focused on the few people who they aren't for. They're focused on doing what they do better than anyone else, staying in their lane and delivering for the fans that they do have. And when you do that, when you stay authentic to what it is that you're the best in the world at, when you connect with your customers or your fans and make them feel like they're a part of your story, they will multiply. It's like gremlins, right? Except you don't have to get them wet. Like there will be more if you just stay true to what it is that is your superpower rather than trying to dilute it and water it down to say, oh, maybe if I was a little bit more of this or a little bit less of this, I'd attract some of those people on the fringes too. Don't worry about the outliers. Worry about being even better for the customers that you have and more customers will follow. I love that, Brittany. And it reminds me of so many B2B companies, especially in the SaaS space, that do try to be everything to everyone. And you talk to one of their salespeople and say, so what do you guys do? And you know, five minutes later, as your eyelids are getting heavy, they've basically told you in so many words that they can solve every business problem you've ever had. And it just isn't very believable. You know, I, I recall uh, one of my favorite examples that I love talking about is the state of Nebraska that sends out this uh, travel guide. And I don't know if you know this, but the, the tagline of the state of Nebraska is, Nebraska, honestly, it's not for everyone. And I think that is absolutely hilarious because it's, it's self-deprecating, it's funny, and it's true. And as you just said, it's okay if you're not a fan of one or more of those artists. You're probably a fan of a different artist and that's okay. And with companies as well, we can't have everybody love us. It's about finding those people that are the true fans and delivering the experience that 
meets or beats their expectations, not trying to be everything to everyone. So absolutely love that discussion. Brittany, we are waiting on pins and needles for you to tell us what is your favorite passage from Creating Superfans. Well, I think I am going to read um, what I have called the exit lude of my book. So one of the fun things I did with this book is use song titles for every chapter and all of the major headings. There are, I think it's like 104 song titles in the book. And I started with, um, instead of calling it an introduction and an afterward, I called them interlude and exitlude, which are two tracks from my all-time favorite Killers album, Sam's Town, uh, which is a brilliant, brilliant record. So this comes from the exitlude. One day, a few weeks before my oldest son turned three, he ran into my office while I was writing. I gently reminded him that I was working on this book and asked him to go back downstairs to play with daddy. With a look of genuine interest, he asked, what's your book about, mommy? I paused for a second and then tried to explain the concept of creating superfans in a way a preschooler would understand. When I noticed his attention trailing, I asked, what do you think? I expected him to suggest I write about something more fun, like dinosaurs or construction vehicles. Instead, he was silent for a second as if gathering his thoughts. He looked at me right in the eyes and said, I think you should tell all the people to be nice and listen. Mic drop. After he shared his preschool wisdom, he danced out of the room like it was nothing. Be nice and listen. It's solid advice. Although I guess I shouldn't be surprised that a kid whose full name is a palindrome has a gift for words. Be nice and listen. Be super. Put your customers first, and I guarantee those customers will last. Uh, Brittany, you are so nice. And we have so enjoyed listening to you as I know our listeners have as well. Friends, the book is called Creating Superfans, How to Turn Your Customers into Lifelong Advocates by the incomparable Brittany Hodak. You can get the book in hardcover, in ebook, or even audiobook, which Brittany is reading to you. Go pick up a copy today to access a blueprint for creating your very own superfans. Sometimes we need to get out of the recording studio and experience things in person. Get ready to feel like you're standing right next to us as you experience this live. Well, I don't know about you, Dan, but I had so much fun talking to Brittany in that last segment that I think we should just invite her back into the recording room for the rest of the show. What do you think? I couldn't agree more. Brittany... Why don't you hang with us for the rest of the episode? Yay. Thanks, guys. I'd love to. Awesome. Perfect. Well, one of the things that some people who know and are super fans of Brittany Hodak will be certainly familiar with is that Brittany was actually on Shark Tank. And the company, the product that she was pitching to the sharks on Shark Tank, which I know is a show that many of our listeners are familiar with and or huge fans of, uh, was a product that was specifically designed for the super fans of rock stars and musicians. Brittany, can you tell us a little bit about the business? And then I'd love to dive into a discussion around how do you create things for the top 1% of your customers, your biggest fans, your raving supporters, what can we do? But before we dive too much into that, can you give us a little context for what your Shark Tank pitching business was all about? 
Absolutely. So when I was in college, I was an intern for one of the big record labels. And as part of this internship program, every couple of weeks, there was a call where like all the college reps from across the country were on and a different department head would talk about, you know, what it was like to work in accounting or legal or PR or whatever. And because this was like 2003, 2004, every single executive that got on the phone was like, the music industry is dead. It is all over, you damn kids with your Napster and your LimeWire. Like, you're still young. Get do something else. Like, go, go, you know, work in the film industry or or go be an accountant or whatever. And it was all because people were like, you know, people are never going to buy CDs again. And as a college kid, I was like, wait, if the problem is people not buying CDs, why don't you just make a CD worth buying? Like, why don't you just add value so that there's actually something in this physical product that, you know, is worth owning, that is better than what you can just download instantly and oftentimes back then for free from a friend on the internet. So I'd put together a blueprint for this company and had been sort of pitching it as a college rep. And of course, now we've seen in the nearly two decades since that vinyl has enjoyed this huge resurgence for exactly those same reasons that I was trying to articulate as, you know, a college sophomore, which was when somebody feels a real tangible connection to an artist, they want a real tangible artifact. They want something that they can put on their coffee table or have in their house. So in 2011, I started this company that was designed to create packages for super fans. It was, let's not just put out the CD or let's not just put out the vinyl record or let's not just put out the DVD. Let's go deeper. Let's have a coffee table book or a magazine that really dives in on the creation process and what it was like to be there. Let's package it with collectible merchandise so people have, you know, a really cool patch or stickers or, you know, something for their car that really connects them in a real tangible way to this artist that they love so much. That is so cool, Brittany. And just one of the many things that makes you one of the most interesting women in the world, in my opinion. One of the most interesting people in the world. First of all, I, I mean, I am, my, my kids and I are super fans of Shark Tank. So we watch all the time. We've, we've I believe, watched almost every episode what was that experience specifically like? And most importantly, did it meet or exceed your expectations? Yeah. So it was really fun. I was a fan of the show and we didn't apply to me on the show. Like I just got a call from a casting director one day who had read something that I had written in Forbes or Inc. or somewhere. And he just said, hey, I'm a casting producer for Shark Tank. Do you want to come on the show? And I said, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. So it definitely exceeded my expectations in many ways. To be honest, it was like a little bit trippy at first. There was a moment when, so like when you go on the show, you know, you walk down the hallway and when you get into the room, like that's that's your first time doing it. It's not like there's like, beforehand, you're like hanging out with the sharks or anything. Like when you walk into the room, you're there for the first time. And so when you walk down the hallway, you like hit your mark and they tell you that you're going to stand there for a minute or so while they do a bunch of shots with like the, the boom cameras and stuff that are sort of circling. So you're just like standing there 
looking at all of the sharks. And I had this crazy moment where it was like my brain was confused. Like I felt like I was inside of a TV. It was the weirdest thing. And then I sort of realized like, oh, I can turn my head whichever way I want and look at whoever I want. Like it was just, it was this crazy experience for like a split second. But it was a lot of fun when we we knew going on to the show that the audience was not, you know, the five potential investors, but the millions of people watching and specifically the, you know, hundreds of thousands of executives in a position to, to hire our company. And so that was, was sort of the, the strategy going in. And we, we were very happy with how the show turned out not to spoil anything, but we got offers from four of the five sharks. We ended up doing a deal with a couple of them on the show. And at the time, the amount that they had invested was the highest ever investment for a female-founded company. We were on, I think it was season six of the show, season five or six. And so it was it was pretty cool because there was a lot of like residual press and stuff we got from being on the show. Super, super cool. Oh, so fun to not only have that experience, but then obviously to get the investment and to get the exposure to all the folks that watch the show and uh, get them as super fans of your new and uh, growing business. Let me ask a question if I could, Brittany. Obviously, this business was designed to create artifacts or physical value for the super fans of the musicians you worked with. Have you seen any parallels and or worked on any projects to do the same thing in a non-music setting? And the reason I ask is lots of times folks will say, oh, well, that's all fine and dandy, but I'm not a rock star or I'm not a musician or I don't have you know raving fans crashing Ticketmaster or jumping in the front row. But every business does have your top customers. And I think one of the things most businesses fail to do is create special moments, special items, special interactions for their most loyal raving fans. They just are kind of like, oh, well, thank you. Or maybe we'll put them into our referral program. But they're not thinking about unique products or artifacts, as you said, for those folks. Any examples of how that worked outside of the music industry? Yes. And I think one thing that so many people get wrong when they do try to do it is they try to make everything branded. And one of my favorite passages in the book is when I talk about the fact that is if it has your logo on it, it's an ad, not a gift. And so you're right. People either like don't do it or they try to do it, but then they mess it up because they're like a realtor giving a bottle of wine with their face on it. You know, they make the gift about them, not about the customer. So absolutely, everyone can create and add value by connecting the story of what it is that they do with the story of the customers they're serving. So for example, you know, I've got two little boys at home and you you guys know because because you have boys boys like bugs right boys boys, boys like all kinds of like creepy so weird things like if you are an exterminator and you do not have some of those like little uh, RC controlled bugs that you're giving to the families that you serve who have kids like you are missing out you know, there's such an opportunity to say, hey, this is going to be the only bug in your house. Like I'm going to make sure the only bugs in your house are these little like, you know, radio controlled, you know, scorpions or tarantulas or whatever. I mean, there are so many things that you can do to 
leave an impression or make an impact on your customers by showing them that you care. Yeah, absolutely. And it gets back to, that's another great example of an industry that you wouldn't think has super fans. And yet we know from your book that you're a super fan of your own exterminator. And so it does prove that any industry can do this, which I love. I just want to come to a couple of quick answers, Brittany. Not We don't have a ton of time for detail, but some things that kind of stuck out to me as ways to create uh, some experiences for top fans that I thought were really easy. One of the things you mentioned was half birthdays. And I wanted to tell you that we have this thing in my family where my dad doesn't just celebrate half birthdays. He celebrates one-eighth birthdays and one-thirty-second birthdays. And when you're a a third of a century or whatever, he's got some... uh, There's always some uh, fraction that he has calculated in terms of how old people are. And I think it's, it's really fun. But I've never seen a company do that. So talk to me quickly about half birthdays. Yeah. So I have seen a couple of companies do half birthday things. And it's one of the things that's so easy because if you know your customer's birthday, you know their half birthday. And they may not know it's their half birthday. It's funny. Actually, today happens to be the half birthday of Alex on my team. So right before we were recording, I was like, happy half birthday. And she was like, oh, thanks. I was thinking about it this morning. And she's 29 and a half. So she was like, oh, I've only got you know six more months until I turn 30. I'm not sure how I feel about this. But when you can show up in a way that surprises and delights your customers, you're going to put a smile on their face and they're going to remember. On your birthday, dozens if not hundreds of companies are going to send you messages. On your half birthday, you may hear from like one or two and you may not even know it's your half birthday. So looking for smart ways like that to where you're immediately differentiating yourself from the competition because not everybody else is going to be there. It's the same principle and the same reason that I don't like sending things during the holidays, I would much rather wait until Valentine's Day and send a client a note saying how much I love working with them than sending something in December just because that's when you're supposed to do it. All right. I have a challenge for our audience. Stop listening right now. Hit pause. Go to your calendar. Bring up the date June 1st, 2023. This is Brittany Hodak's half birthday. (laughs) I want you to to send Brittany an email on her half birthday, wishing her a happy birthday. I believe if I recall from seeing it in the book, it's hello at BrittanyHodak.com is the email. It is. I challenge you. And Brittany, I want you to send me an email on June 2nd to tell me how many people did it. (laughs) I absolutely will. And you know what? I will make sure anybody who sends me a half birthday message this year gets something really fun. Ooh, nice. I love it. I love it. Well, and I'm going to take the challenge one step further because some of our super fan raving listeners are going to do this no problem, but let's take it one step further. If you want to give Brittany a half birthday present on her half birthday, do a social media post about her new book, Creating Superfans. Friends, as somebody, you know, Dan and I have both done books. Dan's done two. I've done one and a half. The second one's coming soon. Brittany's got her book out in the world now. There's so much focus and energy when a book first comes out, but authors love it 
when readers and fans continue to promote the book months, weeks, years later. That would be a huge gift for Brittany. So everybody's got a homework assignment. June 1st, wish Brittany Hodak a happy half birthday and promote creating super fans. Let's bring the experience this thunder and see what we can do to make Brittany feel very special on that day. Yay. Thanks, guys. Now I can't wait till my half birthday. Half birthdays. Speaking of half birthdays and you know the shortening of the time span, let's go into some lightning round questions for our third part of the conversation here. You know, we talked about in the intro that there may be some questions you always wished you could ask a CX professional. Well, now is your chance. So what we're going to do is some round robin questions. We'll ask a question. Dan, Brittany, and I will each give our answers to it. Some of them will be related to super fans. Some will be related to customer experience. Some will just be related to fun things we'd like to know about Brittany. Let's jump in with super fans related questions. The first one I have for everybody is, what is something that you're a newer fan of? or maybe a growing super fan. This is a product or a service you've been exposed to maybe recently, or your love has gone to a different level recently. Uh, Dan, what's something that you're a growing super fan of? Well, actually, we talked about this back in Season 7, Episode 131, when you identified a product for me that I had never heard of, partially because it hadn't come out yet. And that is the Lomi machine, which is the tabletop composter that I am now absolutely obsessed with running multiple times a week, creating this incredible dirt that I have to tell you every single time I'm shocked at. I throw all this stuff into it and then the next day it comes out and it's this beautiful dirt. And you would think after about the 50th time, I wouldn't be shocked at it anymore. But every time I open it up, I'm like, this thing's amazing. So love and Lomi. Joey, how about you? What about a brand that you're a newer fan of or maybe a uh, a growing super fan of? Well, I'm going to pivot a little bit on this one and say I spend a lot of time reading business books. And in the last year, I've tried to read more fiction books. So at least to alternate one business, one fiction, you know, back and forth. And this is one that uh, may surprise people or is, is not normally something we would talk about on the show. But there is this author by the name of Jack Carr. You may have come across Jack's work via the show Terminal List on Amazon Prime last year. This is not a show for the family or for the kids, by the way. This is kind of an action show, Navy SEAL, uh, former Navy SEAL, kind of trying to get out of a sticky situation. And I so liked watching the show that I, I realized it was based on a book. I went back and read the book, which as is often the case, the book even better than the show. And the show was really good. But what I didn't realize is that Jack Carr has a whole series. And this is the first book in a series of five books with the sixth book coming up in May. And what I thought was really interesting about this is my fandom grew so much that I bought the first book, read it. I then immediately bought all the other books he had, read all of those, just back to back to back. And then it was announced that the new book was coming and I pre-purchased that. So I think that's something that, you know, we can be super fans and, you know, Jack Carr has no idea who I am, but I've been buying his books and will continue to buy his books because I'm thoroughly entertained. What about you, Brittany? Something that you're a super fan or a growing fan of? So I would say I'm a growing fan of stamps.com. 
So I was familiar with Sambus.com, had, you know, got like <laughs> direct mail from them for years, but never really knew anything about it, had never really tried it. And because I'm sending out so many copies of my book and so many other things, I just got really frustrated with the USPS interface. And what I didn't realize was when you use stamps.com, not only is it way easier, but you also save money. It's like 20 or 25% cheaper to send USPS packages via stamps.com than it is on the USPS website, which is infuriating, right? That you're like paying more to go directly to USPS. But I've spent oh God, easily over $1,000 in uh, postage in the past 45 days. And sending things on stamps.com is so much easier to have everything consolidated in one place when you need to track a shipment or get a refund or um, like duplicate a label and print it again. It's just so, so easy. So everybody check out stamps.com if you mail a lot of stuff. Outstanding. Love it. These are such fun examples and, and ones we could not have predicted before the show started. All right, let's move on to another question. Uh, I'm going to throw this one at Joey first. What is something that tons of people are super fans of, but you're not? <laughs> oh, oh, this this isn't going to be much of a reveal to anyone that has listened to more than one episode of the Experience This Show. But I got to say, social media and most notably Twitter, I understand that people get a lot of value out of it. I just don't get it. And maybe it's that I don't understand. Maybe it's that I'm not open-minded enough. But I just think it's a bunch of noise without a ton of value and so, yeah, I'd rather pick up a book than cruise on social media. Although I do enjoy, you know, my lurking on social media from time to time. It's something that I am not nearly the fan of the way some other people are. Uh, what about well, you? Oh, go ahead, Dan. I was just gonna say, I was gonna say, I think my answer is also not the biggest surprise for those that have listened throughout the years here. And I, I'm kind of embarrassed now because not only do I know that Joey is a big fan of this, I also know that Brittany is a super fan of this. So here I go. I am not a super fan of Star Wars. Uh, so pathetic. So pathetic. <laughs> Uh, I, it's, you know, why we even let him continue to be on the show, ladies and gentlemen. I am not exactly sure. Dan, I that's don't, why he, it's ending, right? Because uh, you yeah, guys, exactly. we just, we can't handle this anymore. <laughs> just can't get along any longer. <laughs> totally. We're going to have to have a Star Wars intervention on Dan. Brittany, we'll both go to Chicago and just strap him to a chair and make him watch Star Wars movies until he loves it. I, we we got to do something. I know. <laughs> what about, what about you, Brittany? Something that other people are super fans of and you're like, yeah, and not my cup of tea. Yeah, so I write about this in the book and I understand that this is also highly controversial, but uh, Costco. Ooh, right. I remember you talking about this in the book and I got to admit, it was the one example where I was like, I actually like Costco, but folks read the book and hear the story and you will understand why Brittany is not a fan. I, I think it's right. more it than actually, fair that you're not a fan. Yeah. It, and what's different from why you or I are not fans of the things we mentioned is there was actually something that happened to you, Brittany, that caused you to not be a fan. I think you were a fan wannabe. And there was something that happened that we won't spoil that made it so that you, you couldn't and wouldn't be a fan. I think that's a, a huge learning. Yes, I tried. I was like, please, please take my money, please. And it just wasn't in the stars. <laughs> All right, Joey, what's next? 
how about your your book is filled with so many musical references. Uh, references to music is probably a better way to say that, since Dan and I are both show choir guys. But what's your favorite band or musician? Let's go with Brittany first, and then Dan, and then I'll close up. I'm gonna say the Killers. I know I mentioned them earlier, but I love, love, love them. Great band, great band. What about you, Dan? Oof, uh, such a, a tough one. I, I would answer it slightly different between band and musician. So with band, I would probably go for something like The Police. And for musician, it's definitely Paul Simon. Nice. And I'm going to go with the musician answer, and it's a variation on a theme. I'm going to go with Sting. I think Sting is probably the consummate performer and artist of our time. I've seen him in concert several times and is just an amazing, amazing performer. Uh, what about best concert you ever attended? And if you don't want to narrow it down to your best one, you can just say your first one. Well, mine's easy on that one, so I'll jump in. Michael Jackson, bar none. Oh, so wish I would have had the chance to see him perform back in the day. What about you, Brittany? My first concert was Matchbox 20. Nice. I don't think I can pick a best. Nice. Best is really indeed uh, a difficult question, which is why I'm going to go with first as well. And I realize I'm dating myself with this. And there's a longer story for another day, but I saw Tommy... The Supremes. <laughs> <laughs> the Supremes, I wish. Um, that, that would be an amazing concert. No, that I... That would also be really dating yourself. It'd be really dating myself. I saw Tommy Page open for Tiffany, who was opening for New Kids on the Block. Wow. What? How about that? How about at the Iowa State I'm Fair, no less. Oh, that that was that was an amazing an amazing lineup. I don't know. I had a I had a total and utter crush on Tiffany in high school. Oh, we we should talk offline. Absolutely, yeah. No, (laughs) you you are not alone in that crush. You are not alone in that crush. What an amazing performer. Love it. Okay, so uh, next question. Since we have all just finished reading, creating super fans, Joey, what is the next book that you plan to read? Oh, this is a tough one. I I feel like I want to cheat on the answer again and give you the next several books because I struggle with only reading one book at a time. I usually have multiple books that I'm reading at the same time. Um, Okay, there's three books. Uh, One is Peter Zehan's book, The End of the World is Just the Beginning, uh, which is about demographics and geopolitics and uh, globalism, which uh, I've started into and is fantastic. Fantastic. Another one is uh, Dan Martell's new book, Buy Back Your Time, which is a book I think uh, I I read an advanced version of this, uh, or at least parts of it. And it's something that I think every who is struggling to manage their calendar should check out. It's called Buy Back Your Time. And the last one is a book by one of those super fan uh, writers that I'm a fan of. Uh, it would be Jack Carr's new book that is coming out in a few months as part of his Terminalist series. So there's three answers instead of just one. Outstanding, Joey. How about you, Brittany? So I'm just about to start a book that's been out for a little while by Marie Forleo, Everything is Figure Outable. I just did her course, Time Genius, which was 
pretty awesome. I had a couple of like breakthroughs. Anybody who's struggling with your calendar after you read the book that Joey recommended, Buy Back Your Time, check out Time Genius by Marie Forleo. Um, and then, you know, I've been waiting for so long to read the what I'm thinking of as the sequel to one of my all-time favorite books, Never Lose a Customer Again. And I've heard a rumor that this book, Never Lose an Employee Again, is coming out, although it feels like it just keeps being further into the future. So I'm waiting with bated breath on pins and needles to be able to hopefully someday very soon read what I know will be an instant classic, Never Lose an Employee Again. Oh, you are too sweet. Thank you, Brittany. Very much appreciate that. If only I had a hookup to maybe get an advanced copy. Yeah, exactly, exactly. If only I knew someone. It's I, coming I was to say, your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, uh, hey, um, Dan, what do you think? Oh, well, thanks for asking. <laughs> to you up. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, excited to read next. Actually, I can't remember who recommended this, but I absolutely uh, heard of this book through a referral somewhere on social media. It's uh, Ellen Alda's book from 2017 called If I Understood You, Would I Have This Look on My Face? And uh, I'm excited because I'm a huge, huge, huge West Wing fan. I just rewatched the entire series. And of course, Alan Alda plays a pretty big role in the later seasons. And so I'm excited to read that one. It's a little bit different, not, uh, not a businessy book per se. Oh, I love it. I love it. Should we wrap things up maybe with like a uh, Three Truths and a Lie? What do you think? I think that would be really, really fun. And, you know, it's great that you said this, Joey, because we actually prepared something. Brittany, we didn't tell you about this, but this is going to be a lot of fun. You see, Joey and I have each prepared two truths and a lie. But the thing is, is that all three of them are truths about you, but only two of them are truths about us. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here come my three truths. Again, these are all true of Brittany, but only two of them are true of me. Here we go. I have adopted a rescue pup. I have met a member of the Beach Boys. I have a father named Jody. Which one is the lie, Brittany? Oh my gosh. Oh, the pressure. Uh, Rescue pup is the lie. And no, I have Oma snoring on the ground right next to me. I can't believe you don't hear her. Uh, I do have a senior rescue pup. Would you like to try again? Um, <laughs> you have met a member of the Beach Boys. No, I have not met a member uh, of the Beach Boys. So she got it right, though. She, yeah, she, she, got she it right. the thing that was the lie. She got it right. Exactly. Oh, okay. That's yes. Right. Okay. Yes. I, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, very good. Yes. Yeah. So I, I was taking notes during uh, reading your book, and I, I found it humorous that we have both adopted rescue pups, and we both have fathers named Jody. But no, I have never met a member of the Beach Boys. So great job. Joey, how about you? Well, I was gonna. Uh, m- mine doesn't necessarily overlap uh, with Britney's, at least that I'm aware of. All right, how about this? Uh, since we talk so much about music, I have been nominated for a Grammy. I had a recurring role on the TV series Designated Survivor, and I have been on the International Space Station. Which of those things is a lie? Uh, ISS. 
No, I actually have been on the International Space Station. I should give the caveat, it had not been launched into space yet. It was at the Houston NASA Rocket Center and I got to walk around in it before they put it up into space back in the day. It is, in fact, the TV series designated Survivor. Although if you go on IMDb, there is an actor, my actor doppelganger, Joey Coleman, who doesn't look anything like me, but we share the same name, who uh, has been on a number of shows, including Designated survivor. And every once in a while, I get emails for him, which is kind of funny that I then pass on to him and that kind of thing. So yes, there is another Joey Coleman. I am not the one you saw on TV. What about you, Brittany? Two um, truths and a lie. Wait, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to say, you got to go back and you got to tell me about your Grammy nomination. What? Uh, okay. So I sang with a group when I was in Washington, D.C. called the Washington Men's Camerata. And we were actually nominated for a number of Grammys in the category of men's choral music. Now, not really the cool uh, awards you see given out when you watch the Grammys. These awards are given out earlier in the day before they turn on the cameras. As uh, Susan Lucci might say, uh, while I wasn't a winner, it was an honor just to be nominated. (laughs) Well, that is pretty cool. And it doesn't matter what category it is. It is still a Grammy nomination, my friend. I appreciate that. What about you? Two two things. And Dan and I know a little bit about you, so you might have to stump us. Two things that uh, are true and one that is a fib. All right. So uh, yeah, let's keep it with going with the Grammys. So I have a Grammy nomination. I am a Guinness World Record holder. And I once was paid to hang out with rock stars and brag about it on the internet. Ooh, there's some good ones there. Dan, what do you think? We'll each get a guess. But this is like Mm. Vegas. We got to have different guesses. So at least one of us has a chance of winning. I I think it would be very tough to believe that I'm sitting with two people that have been nominated for a Grammy. So I'm going to say that she... She wants to be like Joey, but in this particular case, I don't think so. All right. And I'm going to say with all the work that Brittany did in the music industry, I believe the first thing and the last thing, I'm going to go with the the Guinness world record holder. I'm thinking that one might be the, the stretch of the truth a little bit. All right, Brittany, which one is it? Dan, you got it right. I have never been nominated for a Grammy. Uh, robbed, Although maybe I'll join a woman's quarrel. There's group. and there's still time. There's, there's still, time. still plenty, there's still of, plenty time. of time. Pretty. So you better believe I'm submitting the uh, audiobook version of of my book for for a spoken word Grammy. Nice, nice. I like it. I like <laughs> it. What's the um? What's the Guinness record for? When I was in college, I created the world's largest Christmas stocking. So my buddies and I sewed a Christmas stocking that was almost 60 feet tall and almost 30 feet from heel to toe. And we filled it up with about 13,000 toys that we had collected for kids in need. That is awesome. Wow. That is an awesome record to hold as well. Remember when I said you're, you're, you're one of the most interesting people in the world? <laughs> Yeah. Look at that. Yeah, it yeah. Just keeps, it, it's it's keeps proven. Me right. It's proven. Well, friends, Dan and Brittany, as always, love hanging out with you too. Love the conversation. Love the the questions and the answers and the discussion. I hope everybody who's been kind enough to listen into our episode today has not only enjoyed learning about. Brittany's fantastic book, Creating Superfans, has enjoyed learning about the importance of paying attention to your superfans and creating artifacts and special things for them, but has realized just what a rock star human 
being Brittany Hodak is and why, if you are not following Brittany, buying her book, paying attention to her, watching her keynotes, calling her and connecting with her to learn more about the things that she does, you are missing out. Brittany, thank you for being the first and only guest on the Experience This Show. Thank you guys for having me. It was a true honor. And from now on, when I do true truths and a lie, I'm going to say I was the first and only live experience this guest. So thank you guys. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you. Great to have you on, Brittany. We really do appreciate it. We hope our listeners have enjoyed this as much as we have. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. You're the best listener ever. And since you listened to the whole show... Yay, you! We're curious. Was there a specific part of this episode that you enjoyed the most? If so, it would mean the world to us if you could share it with a coworker, a friend, or someone that just loves listening to podcasts. And while you're in the sharing mood, if you felt inclined to jump over to iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts and write us a review, we would so appreciate it. And when you do... Don't forget to let us know as we might have a little surprise for you. Thanks again for your time and we'll see you next week for more Experience This. Yes.